0: Hey, welcome back to part two of three of good deals are found, but great deals are made. Let's go. Welcome
1: to the Russell Westcott podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams.
0: Hey gang, welcome back. Hope you're doing well got a fresh glass of water here. Scooby's not in the office here today in the recording studio. We're going to just get right to it. I'm going to keep the opening to part two of this three-part segment very, very tight, very, very short. So I hope you guys enjoyed part one of this three-part interview with Travis McConaughey. Travis is just such a wonderful, he's such an interesting character. I would classify Travis very much in the camp of, you know, introvert like myself, but he's one of those guys that he um, gets out and he, when he goes to a conference, you know, back in the day, remember way back, hang on, beep, 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 you know, way back in the day when we used to have uh, conferences, Travis was that guy that would literally close down the pub. He would close down the bar and just a wonderful guy. If you ever get a chance to meet Travis and have a a conversation with him, he is phenomenal. He is a, a wonderful investor. He's a wonderful human being as a starting point. And he has one of those servant's hearts. He helps people out at a drop of a hat. If you called him up on his cell phone, you know, be prepared for a half an hour hour, 45 minute conversation, because that's just kind of the guy he is. That's just, you know what, in general, you know, I mean, no, this is a very big oversimplification and overgeneralization. That's what people from Saskatchewan are 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 all about. That's what we do. People from Saskatchewan is, you know, I make the joke when I first moved out to British Columbia. Now this is, you know, 20, 30, I don't know how old, geez, it's probably coming on to 30 plus years or more now, is uh, I moved out here. Here's the difference when I first moved to BC versus Saskatchewan. If When I went out for a jog and a run in Saskatchewan versus when I went out for a run in British Columbia in Vancouver, in a the big the big city in Vancouver, uh, people were honking at you and almost trying to run you over. In Saskatchewan, people would stop their car and ask you if you want to ride. Okay, I know that's an oversimplification and overgeneralization, but that was my experience experience when I first moved here. Now, guys, remember, this is a deep conversation. In this one, we start talking an awful lot about Financing on how do you scale out the properties. Trevis does a wonderful job. We get into a lot of stories and we talk a lot of stories of some of the deals that he's done, properties that he's done on agreements for sales, properties that he's got a free house, or he bought the land and got the house for free, and then moved the house from this place into Melfort and and essentially, you know, took a five thousand dollar lot and then turned it into a hundred and forty thousand dollar refi and had a free house that was put on it. just just crazy stuff stuff. And it really does, when I come back to it, you know, the title of this is, you know, good deals are found, but great deals are made is just Travis to a T. So guys, I sure hope you enjoy part two of this one. And make sure you stick around right to the very end. And uh, also... Remember, next week is gonna be part three of this. And then at the end of the month uh, is gonna be the year in review for twenty twenty one. I'm just kind of working my way through the title right now, and, and I'm the title I'm kind of leaning towards is um the good, the bad and the ugly. Is <laughs> that's kind of been what the year's been like is the you know, I may have to get some the music, you know, with the Clint East with the good, the bad and the ugly and Oh, that's my poor rendition of trying to whistle. Hang on, I'll try it again. Okay, that's a bad effort to that. Maybe I'll have to get some real sound effects to put in for that one. But anyways, working on that. Enjoy this episode, guys. Stick around right to the very end. We'll talk to you then. Enjoy part two. All right, so we actually just need to get a drink of water. <laughs> Travis is starting to go on all these properties. He's buying so many properties so fast here. It's like, I, I feel like we're, in a, we're being, <laughs> you're being, being surrounded. So um, I'm here with Travis McConaughey, and he's just sharing the wonderful story about how you, you essentially, you've taken something that most people would probably overlook, and you've created something. You've created a system. You've added value. You'll never, ever go wrong if you, in any kind of system if you add value to the supply chain. Yeah. You will always make money on that.
1: Yeah. Right? Figure, figure out what the random opportunity is in yeah. the random place. Yes. My town is 6,000 people in Milford. Yes. And, you know, I'm rocking it.
0: Well, you truly, <laughs> sorry, many of you might not get this reference, but, uh, and Travis, you may or not, you, you truly were the king of Kensington. Yeah. yeah, an old Canadian TV show where you walk down Al Waxman walking down the street. <laughs> and hey, King, oh, what a guy, you know, it's like you, you truly really were the, probably the largest landowner in, in Melford almost.
1: Yeah. Like it's become crazy. There's some big, big yeah. players in my town with yeah. big buildings, but you know, for a, you know, humble, small guy, it's like humble, small guy. And I'm <laughs> kind of like under the radar.
0: Yeah. Which yeah. is kind for of now, crazy for now. So fast forward now, you're now doing what you did in single family. You're now taking that same exact uh, type of model and you're applying that to apartment buildings where you buy distressed, undervalue, adding value. Are you moving apartment buildings yet? Or? <laughs> no. So so it's
1: interesting. In my town, actually, most of the apartment buildings, the inventory had been bought by other people before I got in and their right. long-term buy and hold. Right, right. So the inventory really wasn't there. So back up in 2012, I had bought... Late 2012, early 13, I bought the 12 units. So that next summer was at the same time I moved the seven houses and bought another seven. Mm-hmm. So we were like, I was going mad, and my team like just adding inventory, and, and it spirals. Yeah. So very few apartment buildings to buy. I wanted to grow, but really the opportunity in my town to buy apartment buildings didn't exist. Right. So how do I keep so growing? far? Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I might have bought. Four or five fourplexes in my town, but they're all small. Yeah. So fast forward, I, you know, I started looking a little bit further down the road and the town of Tisdale. Yeah. And uh, that's where, you know, Corner Gas. Yes. The Corner Gas was actually based on Tisdale, Saskatchewan. Was that what it was based on? Yeah. Oh, it and, was
0: filmed just south of Regina, Regina there. Yeah. And Brett
1: Butt yeah. grew up um, working at the 7 Eleven. It's now 7 Eleven in Tisdale. Oh,
0: well, there you so go. So they
1: made the jokes between Tisdale and Melford. Well, now, I took a foray. I went down the road and I started investing in the town of Tisdale.
0: Well, we're just getting a pure slice of Canadiana history here. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so yeah, I mean, the small town semantics play out and it's, mm-hmm. you know, these, it's interesting. I needed another market where I could grow and I want, I invest in stable, boring. Mm-hmm. I don't like resource communities, cyclical resource communities. I like stable agriculture, yep. um, stable manufacturing. So the jobs are there and nothing really happens. The market slowly goes up. So I'm not dealing with, you know, crazy rent decreases, crazy vacancy, crazy, all Mm -hmm. these nuances, which big city deal with. Uh, Like I removed it. Right. Wow. (laughs) Crazy (laughs) story. Yeah. So, so I go to Tisdale, I, you know, I buy a duplex. suited house was 80 grand. And this is, Mm -hmm. we're talking 2015. And it's like, this is just like, didn't make any sense. Sorry, 16. It was just way too cheap. Mm Mm-hmm. And I said, well, okay, I so, and then I move another house in at his deal. So I repeated my model because now there's lots available in the next town. Right. So I move a house in. And ironically, the one suited house and the one moved in modular came out of Brooks, Alberta. Mm-hmm. Those two buildings ended up landing me 12 more units. <laughs> so refied those, created enough equity in the two deals that I bought a sevenplex and a fourplex. Now, what I learned is if somebody random phones you, pick up the phone, Mm -hmm. go for lunch with them, see what their story is. And, you know, don't go there, you know, thinking there's, you know, an opportunity or something. And and a random realtor in Tisdale had phoned me and he said, you know, I hear you're doing some stuff here. I'd like to meet you and I'd like to see if I can add some value and there's a win win. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, I get a random phone call and it was these two apartment buildings. Yeah. And um, when they were appraised off the hop, Two hundred forty thousand dollars of equity, one random deal, and I needed. I closed them with needing one hundred thousand, and I made two fifty
0: on day one. Wow, two forty. Wow. So that was kind of crazy. So suffice it to say, this has been a pretty wild ride already,
1: and, yeah. and I, I think
0: <laughs> I honestly think that you're just getting started. You're just getting into, You're just getting into the third inning of a nine inning game. Now, I'm going to go down a line of questioning that we've we've chatted about yeah. this too. Now, in order to get to 200, north of 200 units, I know you did a lot of refinancing and a lot of pulling of capital and you created equity, you created wealth, you did that, but you didn't have all the capital available yourself because you you said you weren't going to touch anything from the farm and the other businesses. Yeah, and I more or less haven't. Haven't, right. Yeah. You've lived off of maybe the income it generated in yeah. essence, yeah. right? Draw stop, draw the, wage. And I got like.
1: a paid for farm and it's like, yeah. there it is.
0: Right. So- Now, we're going to talk about um, raising capital because you have had to go get investors or sorry, investors have come to you quite uh, prevalent now. You have a bit of different take on this. A lot of people will say, well, you know, go out there and get <laughs> out in the public eye and, you know, rah, rah, sis, goombah, make, you know, make a lot of noise and, and put together a presentation and phone people up and, you know, make all these appointments and, you know, do presentation after presentation. And then, you know, it's a numbers game. People will yeah. come to you eventually. You actually have a different approach. Yeah, it's the opposite almost.
1: Yeah, it's quite funny. So, when you become successful in one market like Milford, I'm probably doing like 80 to 90% of my deals privately. Right. I can't buy off the MLS because you can't cash flow off the MLS. So, that's the multiple listing service. And so, when you get into the next town, you start doing stuff. And now it's coming in, in the three towns I invest in. So, there's always this huge inflow of deals. And they come so fast sometimes that I literally have too many deals for what I can handle. Yes. And I always show up at events. And so I found out in Saskatoon, there was a group of investors meeting and Mm -hmm. I started showing up at that group, didn't know a soul when I started going there Mm -hmm. and got to know a bunch of the people. They have the similar thing in Regina, Edna Keep, I'll Mm -hmm. do a shout out to her. So Edna leads a group called Prairie Real Estate Investors Group, you know, education based, lots of good um, knowledgeable people, but it's more about networking So you got um, P-REG and, and now the Saskatoon group is called REGS. Yep. So showing up at the Regina group, the Saskatoon group, and a bunch of small learning platforms in between. Mm-hmm. You meet a lot of people. Yep. Also in rain. I accidentally ended up with a few awards in rain. Yep, and
0: accidentally, yeah. Well, I just do what I do. And <laughs> accidentally, it accidentally designed on purpose and taking massive action. I guess that's an accident. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny they labeled me as
1: a you know a top player, and I was like first year, and I was like this is amazing. Yeah. And then innovative investor, I, I did the modular play. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just starting. I was just getting going, and I get this, and you know, then I not talking about awards, but they gave me a top player award, and I was like, holy, this is like super cool. Mm-hmm. Most people don't even know about it. And I don't even know if I told my parents. But
0: like, it's just, it just part of the scenario. Well, so really, you just subscribe to the fact, you subscribe to the model of um, being successful, taking massive action and showing up. Yeah. And people are attracted to you because of the action that you take. Yeah. So really, <laughs> if I was to say, well, what's your system of attracting joint venture partners or money partners? You really just say, just I just buy real <laughs> estate and more, and more money comes to me.
1: Is yeah. That- yeah. Well, this is sort of it. I can land great deals. Yes. So there's no question. Oh, great deals. Yes. I'm doing some things people aren't doing and I have my own in-house team. So mm-hmm. a lot of people will use subcontractors to do all their work. Mm-hmm. So my costs are kept right down. Yep. That can be a detriment and, you know, it can be an asset and, you know, a detriment, but if you get too many projects, you can't necessarily complete quickly. Right. But if I buy really good projects It does. The holding costs are sort of negligible Mm -hmm. in the scheme of things. We're not dealing with massively expensive property.
0: Right. So you really subscribe to the whole thing about just having smoking hot deals. Right. Having lots of them and having a track record and people and just sharing what you're just sharing your story. No different than what we're sharing right now. Yeah. And over
1: time, you get to know a lot of people quite Mm -hmm. good. And it's just fun. It's like people say, well, what do you have today? And, mm-hmm. well, this is what I did. But, you know, I got 10 deals in my pocket that I could, yeah. you know, per se sell anybody.
0: <laughs> deals falling out of his pocket. So really, and, and I had this uh, conversation with Thomas <laughs> Bayer, who at his peak was 1,100 places or more. And uh, one of his models was always, always have a deal. Because you just never know who's following you or on someone on your email list that might have been there from seven years. If you don't actually have a deal on the go right now... You just lost them, right? So always always have something, whether it's on the (laughs) deal on the go, but always have an opportunity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I just I can get opportunities and people give it to me. I don't even have an email list. I'm like, they don't really use Facebook, (laughs) change my picture for the first time because I got married. Because you got
0: married. That's right.
1: (laughs) So this is kind of the irony. A lot of people in the raising money world are out there doing, you know, YouTube videos and Facebook and and all this. And
0: And I'm not doing any of it, ironically. Yeah, it's funny when Travis was asking me some questions. about I've been thinking about podcasting. Can I use this and this? this?" Well, Travis, I don't think you need it. (laughs) I don't think it might just just slow you down from doing what you do. And that's just making deals. Yeah, and and I'm great. And you do it the old fashioned way of networking and meeting people and just getting out there. Yeah, and I love it. Hey, everybody, sure hope you're enjoying today's episode. Just wanted to take a quick pause to today's show and share with you a key real estate team member to help you grow your real estate portfolio. When it comes to funding your income properties, it is critical to take a strategic approach versus a traditional transactional approach to your financing. In order to grow, you will need access to capital. And if you're feeling like you've hit the wall with mortgage qualification, I'd encourage you to speak with one of the team members at Streetwise Mortgages. They've helped thousands of investors scale up their portfolios and also brand new investors get into the game of real estate investing. Book a time with them to have a custom created financing roadmap. On top of the financing roadmap, you'll receive a summary report on the best 18 Ontario markets to invest your money. To book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, please email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That's info at streetwisemortgages.com. There'll be a link in the show notes below. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Now back to the show. So in our regs group, as an
1: example, we, you know, I show up, and people say oh i want to go for a coffee go mm-hmm. for a drink and you know sure so i set up a time and yep. i never know what's going to come out of the conversation mm-hmm. and one young guy in there didn't know him before the coffee we start talking and the next thing we're buying a house we're buying a house with a realtor in our group mm-hmm. fast forward i actually didn't necessarily need the deal so i wholesaled the deal to another person in the group so he's super happy his son's happy so in the end, he got a deal. The pe- person that brought it was happy. The
0: realtor was happy and everybody won. Yeah. And it, it's just showing up. Well, you're, you're, So essentially, the, your superpower is you're like a, a deal ninja. Kind it's of. Just, yeah. It's just like a deal <laughs> assassin, right? It's just like deals find you, you get them, and then you know, how to, you know how to make money off them. If you don't know how to make money, they're to the side, but you have so many deals on the go. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah.
1: And there's another sort of nuance to this mm-hmm. is the f- faster you grow, it's not necessarily hard to get private money. It's hard to get bank financing for certain assets. Yes. And the rules have been changing so dramatically that that's been more of the stumbling point than anything. Right. So, well,
0: you know, I'm going to, I have a presentation as part of the the Academy. I have an entire presentation around from an investor perspective. It's actually going back to the future is it's going to be back to having personal relationships with bankers directly. And uh, as opposed to, Different networks. There's an entire presentation that I've built there, but I think where there's an obstacle, there's an opportunity.
1: Yeah, right? yeah, and, and absolutely. And I tend to stumble on a lot of this by accident. Mm-hmm. I'm in there, I'm doing lots of stuff, and it's like, oh, then the light bulb goes on. It's like, okay, this is how to solve the problem. Yes. Nice. Um, a recent, you know, example is you know I buy mobile homes, and I don't like old mobile homes. They essentially have zero value. But when they're placed on a lot and clean, they have value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From
0: a standpoint of the rent you can get, like from a pure cash flow rental perspective.
1: I don't like the assets. I like modular homes because the building code makes them the same as any stick-built house. Now, Mm -hmm. the vapor barriers, the construction is the same as a new house. So that's fine. A mobile home, not so much. So a lot of banks tend to maybe not finance mobile homes, Mm -hmm. or they might not finance small homes like 750 square feet and under. And these are the cash machines. If you get little houses and you buy them cheap and you fix them up and they're great rental properties, Mm -hmm. they're super easy to rent and they produce great cash. So I love buying these assets. So the challenge I had is I cash closed a few of them and then the bank changed the rules. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you tie up a ton of money in some assets you can't get financed.
0: Can't refinance, pull the capital
1: out. So because I deal with big banks and I actually do a lot of um, blanket mortgages. So I'm lumping one bundle. Mm I got 19 small houses in a bundle. Yep. And one mortgage payment. Yep. It's the only way to do it. Yep. You know, is it
0: a commercial? It's a commercial umbrella kind of package. Yep. yep. Yeah.
1: So, so no. when the challenge is, if you start buying a house every month, you can tie up a lot of cash pretty fast. But at the end, you don't want to be paying, you know, a hundred mortgages. Right. You want to be paying a few. So, how do you keep doing it? And the systems are a little challenging. But I try to buy maybe three or four or five and then lump them into a bundle right in this case where i had these homes i got a joint venture partner that could get financing mm-hmm. on cheap assets yes and maybe undesirable to some banks the right. assets right so there's where a fit is okay he can close assets that i can buy right yep That like cash flow but i couldn't
0: right so you found somebody to qualify for the financing and you you did a lot of the work a classic joint venture no yeah. different than the farm originally. yeah same idea Okay. Right. So a couple of lines of questioning here. I'm going to talk to you about how, so within money partners, joint, let's just call them joint venture partners. Some mm-hmm. of them are money. Some of them are mortgage. Some of them are different things. You structure them different ways. How many partners would you feel you've worked with so far in that realm? Probably about 15. About 15, one five. Okay. Yeah. Amount of capital bar- ballpark you've raised from those 15 and some of them might be credit and some different things, but what's your ballpark number? Uh, We're probably 1.5 to 2 million so far. So so 2 million. And the reason I ask is I'm actually adding up all the things Mm -hmm. of all the interviews I'm doing. And the number just keeps growing. Like, it's probably well north of 100 million in the interview guests so far. (laughs) So I'm learning to scale. And I want to scale it too. And this is one of the reasons why we're having this conversation. So you've raised capital. How do you have the conversation? Some people feel the, the money conversation. They fear it a little bit. Like, how do you talk to people about having that money conversation? Is it, is there any special things you say or how do you get past it? Or do you just not feel the fear at all?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting talking about money with people, because especially with
0: people from Saskatchewan. It's almost like, well, you know, we don't talk about what we got almost. We right? just,
1: we just do a role reversal because it's not me having the conversation to get them interested. It's them coming to me with the money, wanting my deal. So I don't necessarily need the conversation.
0: So they're trying to sell you why you you need to take their money.
1: Right. Okay. So we had landed, you know, the deal was a million six and great deal. The numbers worked well, but the building turned out to be not good. Right. And I told the guys, you can put lipstick on buildings sometimes, but you can't fix structurally wrong buildings. So I just let the deal go. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? I've got lots of deals, just sold patient. So fast forward, like two days later, I landed a deal, you know, basically replaced the 24 units with another 12 units. And then we had another eight. Right. So same money went from deal A to deal B. Same right. people were involved. They just, they bet on the jockey and... And not the horse. Yeah, not the horse. And, yep. you know, I I got a home run. That deal, 43% ROI
0: day one. Wow. So really you just are in the market, you're taking action. And all you do is you just share a story like you just we've been sharing for like the last half an hour, you share a story about all the things you've done. Yeah, you haven't sold a thing. And you, you just had coffee or a beer with somebody. And lo and behold, after you're done the conversation, the, the, the conversation turns towards well, you know, I'd love to get involved with a deal with you. I got a couple hundred thousand dollars in there. Or I, got, I know somebody can I work with you? Yeah, that's the way that's your model of raising capital.
1: Yeah, it's fun. Like Mm -hmm. one rain person last year, um, she joins rain, um, decides to work with me and and she got her pin. And that was exciting that she Mm -hmm. got her pin. Um, It's for buying X number of properties. And we took one particular house It entered the JV at 30 grand. It got appraised at 185. Yep. And we still have a suite to build. So it turned out okay. Yes. So, you know, you start building this track record of deals, you know, taking absolutely ugly distressed property. And in that case, we got a fantastic house that has value and, Mm -hmm. you know, long-term value.
0: Yeah. Adding value. Yeah.
1: And this is it. So you find the deal, but okay, you can find the deal to add value, but what else can you do as the kicker onto that deal? Right. So, you know, in that one, we had a loft in a house and we made another bedroom. Another deal, we had a big bathroom when you walked in a back door where we split the bathroom and made an ensuite into master. Yep. So five grand extra value here and 10 grand there, are bedrooms, bathrooms. Yep. It's amazing the little things you can do to you know, adding hmm. a wall and creating 10 grand.
0: So imagine if I sat there and I had the probes and looking a, a microscope <laughs> looking into you from your ear and you're looking at a deal, you probably just see walls moving and money raising and the ching, ching, the little cash register goes up with the value. You probably just have a, a different way of just, when you see a house, you just look at it differently.
1: Well, it's so true. And it yeah. takes, you know, you get into the first and I was so naive and you yep. don't know what to do. You can't move a wall and you get mm-hmm. into the second, the third, the 10th, the 20th, the 50th, and yep. you after a while you just, you look at the square footage and it's like mm-hmm. this box, they're all a box and yep. this box, box what has the in. size yep. of three bedrooms, but mm-hmm. it's two. And all of them have the same floor plans, yep. the same area of house and the same areas sort of have the same house. It's just built. Yep. One might have two bedrooms. So how do you make the third bedroom? Well, the square footage is there. So just make it make the third bedroom out of the square footage
0: did you play with lego when you were a kid i
1: loved it uh, so yeah. absolutely I was, I,
0: <laughs> yeah had suitcases full of those things so <laughs> so many
1: like a lot of people would just forget about the hidden value in all mm-hmm. these these properties mm-hmm. i've done lot subdivisions wow. i've subdivided yards off of places i've mm-hmm. consolidated lots um, made a ton of money doing yeah. that
0: yeah so really your quote-unquote superpower secret <laughs> sauce is that <laughs> you see the hidden value, you monetize the hidden value, you create money off of real estate and people come to you with capital because they want a part of that. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's absolutely oh, um, well, well. one JV partner, he the guy, you know, I won't mention names, but the guy's a mechanic. And you think mm-hmm. here's a mechanic, you know, he's not gonna be able to help. Mm-hmm. But you know, never judge a person, you know, by their job yeah. because you just don't know until mm-hmm. you really know the person and what value they offer. So in this particular story, we started with three houses and it was an agreement for sale. So I didn't even put up cash to buy the houses, right. moved all three houses, put them on land, refinanced out plus money. But as a kicker to the three, we actually got another two for free. <laughs> and one of them was an acreage. Yeah. So I sold the acreage. But this guy keeps thinking, you know, he, the goose keeps laying golden eggs and yes. it just keeps going and going. Mm-hmm. Closed the house for $10,000 on a, you know, big lot in a great yeah. area of one.
0: So for where most people would just kind of dismiss and throw, it, throw that mar- those markets away, you actually look at it and go, yeah, I can own this market. I can be the big fish in the small pond and I'm okay with that so far. Now you're jumping yeah. ponds a little bit too. Yeah, right? well,
1: it's funny because when I got in, people don't necessarily treat the rental game as mm-hmm. a professional business. Yeah. And when you have you know professional manager in each market and repair team and you're doing everything sort of in your system, it works and it's scalable. And so you can jump from, you know, one market to the next, the next and keep repeating. Right. And so I'm buying out distressed landlords because they don't like the toilets or they don't like the tenants Mm -hmm. or they don't like whatever. Well, I'm not the guy dealing with that. I'm the guy dealing with, you know, good people fixing problems and, you know, move on. Wow. And scale. I, I moved into this, this new market maybe a year ago, just not quite a year ago. And we got close to 50 doors there already so
0: it's just like you're you're like the sorry for the star trek reference (laughs) but you're like the borg and you're going to different things and you're just assimilating the communities (laughs) yeah well yeah and
1: you know whether i'm in milford saskatchewan or or toronto or Mm -hmm. you know small town new brunswick or in bc i do a lot of pro bono coaching Mm -hmm. and a box is a box and you gotta know the nuances with weather and bugs and that type of thing with structure but it doesn't really matter. You can repeat these systems, and the coaching is so applicable. I've, I've got a young guy out in, out in the mountains in BC, and and the same model can so well be applied there as in my yeah. town. Wow! And it's just recognizing where's the opportunity and how do you, how do you run with
0: it? Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. So in this next segment that we're going to come up, uh, we're going to do, we're going to talk a little bit more into kind of how you structure your deals with your investment partners, you know, like ownership splits and who puts in what, and just kind of, we're just going to have a conversation about, you know, the qualification, uh, maybe your uh, structures and then also maybe paperwork and things like that. I have a feeling it's going to be pretty simple, but I yeah. want to, cause I just know you, it's, you're just straightforward and it's, you know, for the most part, it's 100 hinges on the trust, 100% yeah. hinges on the trust. But that's what we're going to do right up coming on the next segment. So we'll be right back, guys. Hey, hey, hey. So what did you think of part two of this three-part episode? Wasn't it fun? Some of those stories that Travis was telling. I was sitting there going. I was looking at the video. And so first of all, guys, this was taken from a four-part video part, which I'm combining part three, two episodes, into one that were a little bit shorter, but it was taken from video. So, you know, you get the context that it was done live. It was in video. It was a couple years ago now. And, you know, some of the references were, you know, we're going to go reset the cameras and all that kind of stuff. So just understand that. Just, I hope I don't have to explain that, but I just wanted to just give you some context that this was shot on video, which also is going to, this whole series of these three parts. I'm going to put it into one video and it will be on my YouTube channel. So if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you check that one out. So we talked about some really fun properties. We took some really cool stories and Travis showed how he has a very unique model. And you know, here's the thing is, Not everybody can probably pull off what Travis does with this because, first of all, you have to have the time. You have to have, you know, probably be in the business full-time to be able to do this. It's one of those ones that you probably can't do while you have a full-time job and, you know, and it's a side hustle. This is Travis's full-time hustle. This is his business. This is his entire operation is being able to take these undervalued properties from really small places and move them into little bigger places. Okay. And it's an entire full-time job, full-time operation, especially when you get to the size that Travis is doing. But one of the things that came to mind as we were doing in the conversation, and I, I can't remember if I mentioned this in the episode, but one of my early mentors, you know, Mr. Ron Legrand, he used to have an old saying is, you know, he would sit there and he'd go and he would analyze a deal and he goes, guys, ladies and gentlemen, watch me take chicken shite. I'm not going to use this Swear word, but, but watch me take chicken shite and turn it into chicken salad in his good old fashioned <laughs> ways of uh, his Southern ways and, you know, taking chicken shite and turn it into chicken salad. That's um, essentially what Travis does on a lot of his transactions here. And I've just been having a lot of fun, just reminiscing and going back over this conversation. And you know what, I'm missing getting out in the road. I'm missing getting into people's personal beliefs, their homes where they feel powerful, where they are created these amazing spaces like I did with Thomas and like I've done with Derek Pevers and like I've done with Jason that A lot of the interviews I've done is I've gone to their places and, you know, in their comfort where they're comfortable that they've built, you know, Another one was Arlen when I got out to his man cave in his big giant Quonset. I'm just missing getting out and having those wonderful conversations with people. And you can just tell that people loosen up a lot more when you're one on one and you're instead of staring at a computer screen when you're in, you know, there personal space when you're in their happy places, if you will, that they've created and designed their life. Okay. All right, guys. So hope you enjoyed this. Episode three of this three-part series is coming right around the bend. So just make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you leave some feedback. And by all means, always, always, always make sure in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and come from a place of love. Bye for now, y'all.
1: Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.